Welcome to 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness with your host, Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Rob interviews expert coaches, executives, and athletes about mental toughness and their hinge moments. The hinge. It connects who we are with who we've become, and it only takes one. And now for your host, Dr. Rob. Again, you know, this is what I wrote in social media, trying to kind of quiet down the noise that blew out of the water. Uh, I was like, you know, we just come from two different line of thoughts, two different philosophies. And I, as much as I respect his, I hope him and all of his followers understand mine. Because he comes from a military standpoint where it's all woo, 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 and, you know, pushing each other that way. I come from a completely opposite. I, I keep it in and I keep, you know, I very much, it's almost like an, an inward journey. And I try to save my energy and I try to be respectful and I try to connect rather than disconnect. Hey, this is Dr. Rob Bell. If you want a free ebook, the best mental toughness quotes that will make you better, just text Dr. Rob Bell, that's D-R-R-O-B, B-E-L-L to this number, 33444. You'll get a download right away. So our guest today started out as a model. So jet-setting from Miami, New York, and Milan. He traded that in for running shoes and started his ultra-running career. So he won his first race in 2012, which is the Everglades 50-miler, a little over eight hours to do that. He has since become one of the top ultra distance runners in the world. In 2018, ran the 600 miles of the Academy Desert in Chile. It's the driest desert, eight, eight days, 12 hours, setting a new Guinness World Record for the fastest crossing. In 2018, he won the Badwater 135, which I think is, is incredible. But uh, thus, he became the first person to win both the coldest and hottest races on the planet. He's won grand to grand, and our guest most recently won Moab 240 in 61 hours and 43 minutes. He's the only Italian that I know who doesn't eat pasta. Our guest today is Mickey Graglia. Mickey, thanks so much, man, for joining us. Well, Rob, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. You know, I love your social media presence, how honest you are and transparent with your running and career. And... Let me get started with that hinge moment. So at the end of 2010, right, your underwear model, top of your career. Yep. <laughs> and, then, and, then he, and then he picked up a book. And you, you even talked about in a couple podcasts earlier, I mean, you're having a rough time in your life, weren't really happy. Talk to us about that experience and that transition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the book um, that you mentioned was Ultra Marathon Man by Dean Karnazes. Um, though I got to say, that was almost – towards already the challenging part because that kind of, you know, showed me the light to go towards and, and opened up new possibilities. Although I got to say the, the challenging times that I experienced around that, that specific time of my life was started way, way before that. Uh, and I would say if we want to put it in a time frame, I would say about probably about a year, a year and a half prior to that. That's when Things started shifting in my life. That's when, you know, I was, as you just mentioned, you know, I, I, I was born and raised in Italy. I came to Miami, started, you know, I got discovered there. I started modeling there. 
started traveling then eventually, you know, to pursue modeling to the highest level, moved to New York and things were going great. Though, you know, came this time, came this moment where, again, there was a shift uh, within, I gotta say, because, uh, you know, outside everything was fine. Uh, things were looking up. I was, um, I would say on top of my, you know, top of my career. And uh, despite that, I just, uh, you know, came a, a great, just a great deal of dissatisfaction. Um, we could be talking about for you know about it for hours because there's so many different uh, points that could be you know that could be added to the recipe there. But um, I would say that the most important well there there were two major factors I gotta say one was the fact that I didn't like the the lifestyle that I was living at that moment. Uh, you know, despite the fact that it's somewhat portrayed or sold in TVs and movies, you know, movies, TVs, commercial and all that stuff as the image of, of the good life, you know, it kind of got, got old after, after a while. And uh, it wasn't that fancy anymore. You know, it just became almost like a, I think I took a reality check at that point and started analyzing what I was doing and who I was becoming in the process. And I just didn't like it. And so there started that process started that search outside looking for something different um along with that you know again i wasn't very i wasn't fully satisfied with with the with, with what i was doing even in terms of career i couldn't find any purpose i couldn't find any i could say fulfillment you know and just <laughs> playing half naked in front of a camera uh it was definitely you know if, you, if we talk about it in terms of uh, you know financial on a financial standpoint that was definitely rewarding but again it, it just wasn't my it just wasn't my thing so it just became a job at that point i was living in new york and i was playing the bills and uh, you know i was doing my thing but i i at that point i already had that switch that mental switch where i was looking for something different and uh that's something different kind of called me back to my roots i would say you know i, I was i was born and raised in italy i i got I was blessed enough to be able to, you know, skis the uh, ski the Alps in the winter, hike the Dolomites in the summer, uh, you know, spend uh, days, weeks, months out of the, you know, the, the Mediterranean Sea, hanging out with friends. So I, I've always been, always been outside. I always, you know, developed that appreci appreciation for the outdoors. And uh, you know, in, in that moment of my life, being in New York and feeling almost caged, I needed to kind of get back out there and so you know start i started that process of research and i started you know documenting myself about all of these extreme endeavors starting from you know big mountain climbers and there was like this big river swimmers and ocean rowers and you know bikers and runners of all kinds and then eventually dean carnazes showed up on, on a bookshelf uh, out of this bookstore in uh, Union Square, right in the heart of New York City. And, um, you know, after so much searching, nothing really spoke to me, not, nothing really, you know, called me, but that, for whatever reason, did. So it really fascinated me, this whole concept of, you know, pushing our boundaries and discovering our true potential. Um, on top of that, I gotta say, I very much related to his message, to his personal message. I, you know, we came from completely different life paths. You know, he was a successful businessman. I was in high fashion. I had my 
share of success as well. And uh, we both came to this crossroad where, you know, we were chasing something that is portrayed by society as the, you know, image of success to pursue. And then when you find it, you're like, huh, this ain't that great. <laughs> I need something more, you know? Um, it's almost like when people say, you know, money doesn't make you happy. Yeah, it's, it's easy to say when you, don't, when you have money. But, you know, when you're in the position of actually realizing that that's the truth, you know, you want to do something about it, or at least I did. And so, you know, I kind of picked it myself up, just like Dean did. And, uh, you know, relating to his message and seeing what the possibilities were, you know, I, I embarked in this journey. And I got to say, not only transformed my life, but he actually saved it. Hey, this is Dr. Rob Bell. Our new book, Puke and Rally, it's not about the setback, it's about the comeback. It can be bought anywhere books are sold or go to the website pukeandrallybook.com. And I, I love that story, man, because we always talk about those mountaintop moments and you know, you can't live actually on the mountaintop. You got to come back down because uh, I mean, you've been up there, but it's... Yep. I mean, my question is this, then what was that ultimate moment of saying I'm done and then taking that leap of faith? Well, there have been a few key episodes, uh, a few key episodes, definitely that kind of, they were almost like an, uh, like a, like an alarm. It was a ringing alarm. It was like, okay, this is, you know, this is happening. And this is, I would say that most powerful one was, um, was right at, was right in New York city. Um, I was at a, um, a very famous fashion photographer's birthday party. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it was it was one of those private parties filled with you know, celebrities and and everything that goes with it. And um, right in the middle of the party, you know, few interactions happen in, in the in the middle of that. And I just right in the middle of that, I just left and I just started walking back home and to my apartment. And you know, that night I I just you know I I was hanging by a thread literally <laughs> and uh and and that's when i you know i think that i think change only happens when it's you know when it's necessary and only when you hit the bottom or there's no other way out and so you know i was i was very much at the bottom at that point like emotionally psychologically and um and, uh, you know, I was, I very much came to a crossroad where I was like, you know, this is not the life that I want to live. This is not who I want to be in, in my, you know, for the rest of my life, or at least in this fragment of my, of my existence. And so I was like, you know, it's, it's always easy to pull the plug and give up, but it's always very challenging to, you know, to bet on yourself and, and believe that you can reinvent your, your whole life. And so, you know, I came to that understanding, just digging deep, I came to that understanding that, you know, I was still very young and I could still make a change. So if I wasn't happy, nothing was holding me down. So all I had to do was, was very much confront myself, confront what I was going through and pick myself up literally in the direction that I wanted to go. And that's about the right time when I discovered that book. So it was in the worst moment I found the light and, and that carried me through that, that really lifted me up and he gave me a direction. So he gave me a, he gave me somewhat of a, you know, it might be hard to, to make people understand why is it purposeful to run 
incredible amount of miles. <laughs> a lot of people might seem, you know, might uh, look at it as a not purposeful action. Although for all the people that do that, there's actually a lot of, there's a lot in there. And we can, we can get into that, of course, right now. I mean, let's do it, man. Talk about your purpose and, you know, and the yep. fulfillment and the process of, yep. of your ultra distance running. Totally. Well, you know, like I, I think, I believe like most of us, I was raised in a, you know, in an environment, in a society that pushes you to set certain go certain goals uh, in, in our lives, right? Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta get a good degree and then you gotta get a good job and you gotta get, you know, a good pay and you got your fancy things and your toys and blah, 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 blah. The point is, you know, once you reach that, you realize that it's, you know, it's just a, you know, it's a castle of paper. It has no foundation and it's easy to, uh, to just get stuck in that and just keep, you know, following the motions and you just keep doing the same thing. To me, that was not a way of, of living. I just didn't find that, that drive, you know, I, I, it makes no sense to have a big bank account and be miserable. So I, I, you know, in a way I, I started looking at life more as, you know, what is the purpose of life is to live it to the utmost, in my opinion. And that's as simple as that. Because if we look at it from a higher standpoint, there is no purpose in life. Life needs to be lived. That's what, that's when we talk about, you know, when we talk about meditations or a higher, you know, discovering the higher self is that all the social construct on a cosmic level, they mean nothing. <laughs> what, what are we doing here? Just <laughs> be who we are. Just be. That's the simplest thing to do and yet the most difficult. Because again, we have all these social constructs that take us outside our own self and they just keep us busy, not focusing on, on, the, on the truth, our own reality, our own existence. And so, you know, that takes a lot of uh, introspection to break through that. And it takes a lot of uh, desire, I got to say, because you have, you have to kind of break through certain barriers, break through those chains and, and rediscover yourself, almost like finding your inner child and, and get out there and play again. So, you know, once we do that, and I say that once we do that, because I got to the point in my life where now I, I don't want to say I realize myself, but I am in the process of living the life that I envisioned. And so that's, that not only is a gift, but it's a blessing. And, you know, once you do that, life takes a whole, you take a whole new perspective and a whole new taste about what you do, who you are, and the things that you're doing. Tell me, tell me more about that blessing. Yeah. Well, again, you know, it's, I think it comes down, it wraps around again towards the purpose that we want to give to our life. And to me, it's, it's a blessing doing what I love to do because every day I wake up with purpose. I wake up knowing that I am on a mission of constantly bettering myself. So there is no, you know, if you do the right things, eventually the financial reward will come. But right. that's not the driving force. The driving force is dedicating your life to being a better person, to being the best version of yourself. And that's, that's as inspiring and that's as empowering as it can get, in my opinion. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. And, and that's why I wanted to talk to you, you know. I mean, you, so when your life changed, 
you were just running 15, 20 miles a week. I mean, lifting, making sure. No, not even, great. not even, yeah. not even. I was, I can, I couldn't say I was a runner at all. Like, I mean, I definitely always enjoyed, always loved running. Uh, yeah. Since a very young age, you know, I've always, uh, you know, I grew up in Italy, so it's football, soccer, we want whatever we want to call it. Soccer focus, hundred percent. Everybody, that's just that's what they do. That's Roberto what you want. Baggio. <laughs> exactly, Roberto Baggio. <laughs> but you know, um, I've instead of being taken by soccer, I was always fascinated with track and field, with athletics, and you know things like that. Um, I, pr I I practiced some, you know, I, I did some track and field when I was in middle school, but then. Again, because all the friends that were playing soccer, I started playing soccer too. You know, you, you don't want to be the only guy right. <laughs> running around in circles. And so, you know, that kind of took me away from my from that deep passion that I somewhat rediscovered about 14 years later uh, in New York. I uh, started running on the west side, right alongside the, the river, the Hudson River. Um, and, you know, that was... That was an amazing moment. That was an amazing moment in my life because I reconnected with something primordial, something within, something that you know brought me back to my to my. I don't want to say to my old self, but it brought me brought me back to myself. And that's you know that's pretty powerful uh, when you when you you know it's almost something that it's always hidden, but when you see it, you cannot unsee it. <laughs> it's there and it's. It's powerful. It calls you, and and I follow that call. You know, a lot of times it's it's easy to just get get distracted and keep going down the same path, just because, you know, you get wrapped up in comfort and you just take it because you think that's the safe safe space. But I think that for everyone is it's fundamental to dig inside and and listen to our inner voice. To, 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 to what our calling is. Yeah. That calling, that inner voice that you get by pushing yourself. I mean, cause you, you start ramping up to 140 miles a week. <laughs> I mean, I mean, training. Um, I do I mean, not recommend that to anybody. <laughs> so why, why was it good for you? I mean, what was, what was that driving piece that was there? I mean, was it the satisfaction? Was it every time you're going out, you're learning something about yourself? Yeah, definitely, definitely introspective journey. But to me, it was it was a necessity. Yeah. I needed to make that change. You know, there wasn't there wasn't a you know I can I could do it. Maybe I do it. You know, it's it's when I was like what I was saying before. When you hit the bottom, there's no other way by going up. And so to me, that was the only way to rise back up. That showed me the way that you know I picked up. I started doing a lot of research. I started, you know, following a lot of top athletes. And I was like, you know, if they train like this and they're good, if I train like this, I might be good as well. And yeah. so, you know, I started replicating their methods. And, you know, as I said, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody because, you know, I did some very stupid things that could have, you know, compromised my overall health for a long time. But, you know, at that point, I was almost blinded by, by the light, <laughs> if right. it makes sense. I was just, you know, playing through the motion. But... I had one goal in mind, one direction only. And so I kind of jumped on both my feet and I just got, kept plowing forward with my head down. So on, on your process of discovery, of running, of getting better, when did you realize like, wow, I'm, I'm pretty good? <laughs> yeah, well, that's, you know, that was a surprise. That was a surprise to myself as well. 
although it's one of those moments, one of those very defining moments when you realize that, okay, if I focus on this, I could be good. You know, that was right after my very first race. Because I went on, like I, you know, I was not a runner. I started running five, six months later, I signed out to my first race, which was a hundred miler. So, you know, uh, again, I do not recommend to follow my advice, my, yeah. <laughs> the same, the same and, way and, I did. And just, for, and just for the listeners to know, I mean, you were leading that race, but you had, you know, problems. You had drop out, what, mile 80? 84. Yeah. 84, yeah. 84 miles in, just passed out. Um, my, you know, my now wife back then, uh, girlfriend was there and my family flew from Italy. It was it was pretty tragic, you know, because I, I literally pushed myself to the ground. I, I had no, no experience. You know, I trained, I ran, but I had no experience about, you know, when it came down to nutrition, hydration, electrolytes, all of these things. So in the heat of the tropics over there, southern Florida, beginning of the summer, I just literally ran myself to the ground. And at that point, I just realized that I could, you know, if I focus entirely on the craft, I could, you know, give it a good crack and, and be, be good at it. Um, how good? I had no idea, but I knew that it would, there was something there. So that, you know, despite the initial failure, which of course, you know, I, I woke up after passing out in the middle of the road, I, I, you know, woke up in an ambulance. It took me months to kind of regain my strength and get back on my feet. But I had a hope. I had a, not hope. I don't like hope. I had faith that, um, with the right, right um, focus, the right dedication, I could make it. And we can define make it in many ways, but I could make it in the way that I want it. Right. In a way that I desire, yeah. I'm curious on your experience when, when you're kind of reflecting and just in this conversation here, those races that you started to accumulate, you started to have success, you started to do well, um, did that passion ever diminish at all? Did, was it, or were you still constantly being able to reflect and, and see how you were getting better and how you're improving? On yeah. Well, I think the, the motivate, the passion is always there. It's actually growing, which is amazing. Uh, it's almost like the, the affirmation of a belief, you yep. know? So you conf you you're just confirming what you imagine, what you envisioned before, and so that's that's just that's just amazing. That's just so powerful, and it's it keeps on re-inspiring me. So of course, you know the motivation or inspiration that I had when I first started has morphed, has transformed, has evolved. I don't want to say from then to now, but literally from season to season race to race it's almost like redefining resetting your goals resetting your motivation and that's what i think is the key point of longevity in the sport especially in this discipline that requires so much effort dedication time energy you have to reshape what drives you what pushes you to get up every day before dawn to just keep you you know to keep pushing your limits a little further and that's, you know, that's as cool as it may sound, it actually requires a whole lot of dedication and energy on right. a daily basis, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. So it's, you know, you have to love it. 
because if you don't, there's no way you make it through. You know, yeah, you go through a season, maybe two, and then you just you just give up. Can you so those athletes, coaches, executives that are, that are listening to this, walk us through one of the dark moments in a race and what that's like for you? What's happening emotionally, physically, and how do you make make it through that? Well, I, I always look at ultra running as a clear metaphor of life. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, you know, life ain't all sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> you know, although we all would like for it to be like that, I, you know, we all go through highs and lows. We all experience beautiful, exhilarating, happy moments. And then at times we have to deal with shitty times part of my French <laughs> you know we have to deal with the tough times we have to deal with setbacks we have to deal with failure we have to be deal with loss we have to deal with so many negative things that we all go through and that in a way compressed in a day is what happens in ultra marathons so if you do understand that if you do understand it it's a constant cycle it's almost like a roller coaster for every high, there's a low, and for every low, there's a high. So that kind of taught me to put things in perspective and to switch my mindset in understanding that when I'm having a good time, just enjoy it for what it is. Mm -hmm. Live in the moment, live in the present, do the best you can, knowing that the setback, the downfall is going to come. It's inevitable. It's almost like a natural flow of things. And, and, but, you know, when you're in the gutter and this connects to your question, when you're the toughest moments, when you're going, when you're, you know, struggling to move forward, that's the key moment of finding your, well, it, first of all, it's the understanding that you have to regain your strength with having the faith that things are going to look up and things are going to get better. And those are defining moments. That's with the moments who define who you are and, and again, I think the driving force always has to be that always has to come from within because it's, it has to come from the soul, the heart, whatever you want to call it. It has to transcend the physical, the mental. It has to come from something deeper. Um, you know, I often say this, we, we shouldn't let the mind make decisions. And by, you know, there's an old saying that I always use that I love and it's, you know, the mind is a great servant, but a terrible master. Mm. By that, I mean, you know, we can use the mind to achieve whatever we want to if the driving force is the heart, the soul, whatever we want to call it, the voice within. Because if we let the mind be the, the, the master making decisions for ourselves, it's always going to give up. It's right. always going to take the easy way out because exactly. that's an evolutionary pattern that we created. You know, we, we want to avoid struggle, but in struggle, there's growth. In struggle, there is discovery. In struggle there is possibility to be better, to grow better, to achieve more. And so, again, this is the key. Um, that's a key point right there. That's the secret, in my opinion, is having a why strong enough that when the going gets tough, you're just going to keep, keep pushing forward. Yeah. I always say your why has to make you cry. If it's not, <laughs> if yes. it's not, it's not deep yeah. enough. You have to connect on an emotional level to it. I agree with that. Because I always think one way or another you're crying. You're crying because of how hard it was and how painful it was, you know, that either your loss or the experience, or you're crying yeah. because you know how much you, you and others invested into it. 
Yep. Well, that can also be, you know, an emotional release because when you're transforming yourself, you feel that. Mm-hmm. It's a transformational journey and that's emotional. That touches you within. So, yeah, I very much relate to what you're saying. So on your every race that, that you have, are you learning from every race that's, that you've taken oh, part in? Definitely. Definitely, definitely, definitely. That's, a, that's, the other, that's what I find fascinating as well. You know, it doesn't matter for how long you've done this thing, for how many, you know, extreme challenges, feats you, you know, you survived or you accomplished. You know, it's, it's a constant process of discovery, constant process of, you know, self-learning, learning about yourself, self-management, not just physical, but even you know, you explore, you literally explore the network within. You understand how the, the, the whole thing works. And there are tricks to it. You know, I, I didn't like when, for instance, going into Moab, the Moab 240. We're talking about 240 miles through some of the most rugged terrain out there. You know, temperature swinging from, you know, 100 degrees during the day, like below freezing at night. So it's like, it's it's an opportunity to to discover what you're capable of exploring your network and by network i mean the network within here our our heads um the how the framework works and you know i went in with some goals i went in planning on not sleeping but you know i never not slept for three days straight and let alone running for three days straight two and a half whatever it was but uh you know it's it's fascinating to to venture in that uncharted territory to find out for yourself what you're capable of. That's that's a part that tickles me. That's a part that fascinates me to do it. Why? Because I want to see if I can do it. Right. <laughs> there's curiosity behind it. I gotta say, there's a great deal. Of, you know, I think um, a great deal of these endeavors are fueled by curiosity, by just sheer curiosity of finding out what's possible. You know, we grow up in, in a society where that tells us, you know, these are boundaries, this is your box, this is where you can operate, this is limits. If you go beyond that, it's it's dangerous or it's never been done before, so don't do it. But that's the beauty of the discipline. It opens up the horizons. There are no more cages. Just go out there and find out for yourself. You know, it's almost like I see it almost like an, an adventure or an exploration of the past. You know, sailors back, you know, a few centuries ago, they will venture beyond the, the known, you know, limits, the known boundaries, and they would just venture into uncharted territory to find out what lies beyond the horizon. And, you know, now, now we, we live in a time that all lands have been explored, all oceans have been sailed, all mountains have been tagged. So I believe that a new exploration is no longer outward, but it's within mm. discovering our true selves, discovering our true human potential and finding out that as of today, we haven't tapped into that yet. Right. Yeah. So in terms of, of Moab, share uh, that experience with us. It's a rolling start. So you pass all these runners and, and you start heading into the first night. And I started following you, you know, when you went Badwater 135 and said, you know, what's this guy all about? And, yeah. You know, just love the energy that you had. Thank but you. so heading into that first night, you you slow up and you wait for another runner to kind to yep. join you and, and yep. sort of a celebrity now. But uh, walk us through um, 
you know, what, what were you thinking in that moment, just waiting up for, for David Goggins to come join you and yeah. then walk us through that? Well, um, that first day, I basically, you know, knowing that it's such a long race, you know, it's, I was not focused on competition at all. Right. Um, you know, it's a 240 miles, you know, yeah. if, we, if we're, if we get around mile 200 and there's uh, you know, there's somewhat of a shot of being competitive and going for the win or podium or whatever, then, you know, then the switch, then the focus might've gone towards competition. But when I started the race, I just literally went in fully open to enjoy the experience. Yep. No pressure, no expectation, just go out there, do your best. And that's just, that's just the best mindset in my Absolutely. opinion. You open yourself to possibilities. You don't cage yourself. You don't waste energy thinking about what other people are doing, times and whatever, whatever. Just being, just enjoying and fully be in the moment. And that's, to me, it's the best that you can experience. Um, the beginning was the best. You know, just, I started in the last wave. Picked up, you know, I got on my pace. I started picking up people that started earlier. It was great to connect with them, cheer each other on, you know, share some smiles. Uh, but then eventually after the, you know, I think about 25, 30 miles in, I was in the overall lead. So I already passed 180 people, 170 people ahead of me. And at that point, I knew that I was by myself. And here we're talking about mid-morning, the first day. Right. So I was out there by myself, just breaking the trail, completely alone. And, you know, I enjoy, I love that. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed that. I ran by myself basically the whole day. We get to sunrise, uh, sunset the first, the very first day. And as I get out of the station at checkpoint, the supply station, I see the second runner Goggins pulling in. And so I'm like, you know, is I, I'm leaving. He's still there refueling. And did you know Goggins um, from before? Well, I met him in 2013 at Badwater. Um, okay. At the time, I was it was my first time in Death Valley. I was pacing for a friend of mine, and he was racing. So I got the opportunity to shake hands with a guy and say what's up, and it never really, you know, I can't say I know him. Right. So, um, but he wasn't know, the celebrity was back in 2013 that he is now. Oh no, he was. You know, he was a completely yeah. different person back then. Now yeah. he's, you know, he grows to notoriety and is doing his thing, and it's a, it's an amazing, you know, it's it's inspiring to think to see what he's done with his image with himself and the message that he's throwing out there. So, you know, I was, I was, it was cool. You know, I, I'm like, okay, I see another runner. We're getting into the night. I, you know, there's this huge, vast valleys, desert valleys that, you know, especially after sunset, you know, you had your headlamp on and I just going and going and going. I turned around and I see his headlamp, you know, a few miles, like maybe a mile or two behind. And so I was like, you know, it's getting dark. You know, there's some navigation to do and stuff like that. And I'm, you know, I don't have any pacers. So it makes no sense to run basically almost at the same pace, but 10 minutes apart. Right. So I was like, I'm just going to refuel. I'm going to slow down a little bit. I'm going to wait for him to catch up so that we can tackle the night together and have some company. And so we did. Um, and then, you know, after about maybe 10, 15, 20 miles together, then, you know, we just came to that breaking point and, and, uh, you know, and from that point on, basically we're talking about maybe mile 85 on, I've been completed by myself. Yeah. Again. Can you share with us that, that, uh, like what took place? What happened? Yeah. Well, 
um, you know, I, it was, I don't want to say, you know, I, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta think about how to word it because you sure. create quite a bit of, uh, you know, uh, debate, especially on a social level, on a social media level. Um, cause basically, you know, we were running, he picked up a pacer, uh, one of the stations in between. And, uh, and, you know, again, I was by myself. I, I got into the race just a few weeks, a few weeks prior. So I didn't have the full team of support that I wanted. I had no pacers until mile 202. Wow. So okay. basically it was out there by myself, completely by myself for two days straight. Were you guys, were you guys chatting it up though? And just, um, I was, I gotta say it was pleasant at the beginning, although I was the chatty one. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I enjoy solitude, but I also enjoy the, you know, the flow of energy that, yeah. that I can create with people. I mean, I so, imagine that that's those stars underneath that Moab sky got to be. So oh bad. my goodness. It was you know. stunning. It was yeah. amazing beautiful sunset and then the night was just at that point was still comfortable in terms of temperature we didn't hit the high grounds yet so it was a very nice ride and you know i was like you know we weren't talking about anything specific but just like you know keeping a comfortable chat yeah uh here and there and then eventually picked up his pacer you know um and i still wasn't the same mindset i'm like you know guys we are about 85 80 miles in I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to race right now. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just enjoying myself. I'm going to try to save energy and moving forward. And then what happens in a day and a half, then we'll see what happens. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, we got to the point where I was, I was very much comfortable. I was very much in control. And so I would kind of let him di dictate the pace. And so we got into this pattern where we were, were hiking the uphills and kind of running the flats and downs. You know, there's a lot of ups and downs and those mesas in the middle of the desert and stuff. And so, you know, it was, it was good. It was good. I, I had no complaints about that one. But then things, you know, kind of turned the, the wrong way. And, you know, his, he burst a little bit out of, out of the blue and he started kind of telling me to, you know, to get off and just run my race and do this and do that. And, you know, at that moment, again, think about this. We are a third of the race in. Still, it's 80 miles. Okay. So you're not fully, you know, your mind is in a weird place. You're not fully coherent, you know, 100%, um, you know, you're, you're tired. Things happen in the head after you run for a full day. And I just didn't like the way, you know, he didn't sit right with me, the way he, he, he came at me. And so I was like, you it's know. F, it was an F-bomb too, though, right? What's that? Wasn't there an F-bomb in that too? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. You know, it was like, eh, whatever. I never and hear so, him speak without dropping the F-bomb. Well, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to keep it clean. <laughs> but yeah, there was like a little bit, you know, he is the way he is. He created his right. great character and, you know, He's come back after was, you know, I didn't do it to push you off. I did it to encourage you to, to push harder. And I, I respect that and I appreciate that though. Again, going back to that specific moment where I was at, you know, I was enjoying myself. Imagine like if we're talking, having a good time and we're, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then at some point you turn around, you tell me, get the F off. You know what I mean? I'm right. like, eh, you know, okay. That's just not, not my cup of tea. And, uh, and so that's it, you know, that's pretty much how we evolved. I, I have no regrets. I have no, you know, no, nothing bad to say, no debate. You know, right. we, we also spoke after the, after the fact, after the race and we, you know, we cleared the air between us and 
again, you know, this is what I wrote in social media, trying to kind of quiet down the noise that blew out of the water. Uh, I was like, you know, we just come from two different line of thoughts, two different philosophies. And I, as much as I respect his, I hope him and all of his followers understand mine because he comes from a military standpoint where it's all woo, 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 and, you know, pushing each other that way. I come from a completely opposite. I, I keep it in and I keep, you know, I very much, it's almost like an, an inward journey. And I try to save my energy and I try to be respectful and I try to connect rather than disconnect. Right. And, uh, and so that's about it. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, again, I've worked with tons of professional athletes and there's, uh, I probably think the biggest misconception is that every professional athlete is, is, and because they're successful, then they're a great person. And that is not true. And the reality <laughs> is the case everywhere. <laughs> now the reality is, is you don't know them at all. You have no idea. Some of the people you think are nice are not. And some of the people that yeah. aren't nice actually are. Yeah. Um, when, when that experience then happened though, um, you know, how did, how were you able to, I mean, cause it was, it was still early enough. How were you kind of able to gather yourself? Cause that would have thrown me off. Right. I mean, right. It, but, but how were you able to kind of gather yourself? Cause even in, the social media on the Instagram, you said, you know, well, that was the last I saw of them, which I thought was a great line. But, <laughs> but like, how did, uh, then, then what happened? I mean, how did you get that mental space back and, and were able to refocus? Well, that initially kind of fueled me. Oh yeah. Cause I was like, you know what? F you. <laughs> yeah. And so that kind of gave me the push to, to go, to go out and just run my race. But, um, you know, I, I very I practice meditation and I practice mindfulness. And so to me, it was like, I kind of try to detach from that toxic thought um, and kind of detach completely from what happened because ultimately it was just a very marginal part of my race yep. um, that I didn't want it to interfere with my overall experience. And so, you know, I brought it back to my, I brought my, focus back inward and I just started doing my own thing and just focusing entirely of, of my own race without dispersing any more energy because it wasn't worthwhile. So yeah, yeah, that's about, you know, that's, that's pretty much my approach. Just bring it back to the present moment and do it the best that I could without thinking about what, what has been or what's going to happen. And, you know, because again, both things are, are stuff that I, that is out of my control and I cannot change. Yeah. And then what was the, uh, what was the, what was the high of that race? And then what was another low of that race that, that you went through? Well, I gotta say, you know, of course there's been numerous highs and numerous lows on both days. Um, I think that one of the best highs was the sunrise on both days on day, like the, the first sunrise, the second day, and the third sunrise, the second day. I don't know if it makes sense because the first day you get the sunrise, but it doesn't really count. You're fresh. <laughs> so the, this, the first day after 24 hours, you know, climbing out of Shea Mountain, getting up on a ridge. As I hit the ridge, the sun just speaks out of the, the, the mountain on the other side, and it was just incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, after going through the night pretty much all by myself, I got to the point where I was like, this is just incredible. You know, it's like lifts up the spirit. It's a whole new day. And it kind of rejuvenates the whole, the whole, not just the whole system, not just the body, but also the emotional, the psychological, the mental. Because, you know, you're going through the night by yourself in the dark. You just see the light. It kind of, you know, 
lowers you down. But then as the sun rises, you know, I was at the top of the mountain. From that point, I had a long stretch downhill. It was just beautiful. And, and, by, and, and on the other hand, also the second, the second day, which is the third sunrise, I was climbing on the top of La Salle Mountain, which is about over 11,000 feet. Mm. That's a high point of the race. And I hit that right at sunrise again. Really? Wow. So both, both mountains, I got to the top right at sunrise. I don't believe that in coincidences, sense. man. No, 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 I don't either, actually. And I think it's, you know, it's, a, it's almost like a, there's, there's, there's a very nice storytelling to it. You know, it's all, it, almost like in a psychological way, you know, you climb it through the dark and when you hit the top, the sun rises and it's, you know, you see what you need to see. Yeah. yeah. And you took a dirt nap there at Moab? No, actually, uh, you know, there was a, there was a picture that leaked out because one of my, uh, my pacer that I picked up at that point was about 202 miles in Gazer Pass, checkpoint. Um, at that point, I was about 48 hours into the race, 200 plus miles done. And so I was like, you know, I was, I had a record in mind. I knew that I only had 38 miles to go and 10 hours. So I'm like, I think I can do it at this point. So I had a, with the record in mind and a pacer, I'm like, okay, now I have someone that can help me out, you know, stay on top of my nutrition, hydration, two days, no sleep. You know, you start getting a little delusional, a little, you know, you start detaching a little bit from reality. So having someone that could keep me uh, on pace would have definitely help, you know, done amazing things. So we did, and we got on a great clip. We started hitting like, we started hitting like sub seven minute mile in the You're second. Kidding me? Yeah, my pacer was like I'd never seen anything like it. We're like two hundred and five miles into the race and hitting seven sub seven mile, uh, seven minute mile. So I'm like, you know, this is great. I think we're gonna do it. I think we're gonna do it. We got to the to a flat part, starts another steep uphill, and just as we start climbing, I feel my Achilles almost pop. And that's when, you know, I got to the top of that. I started, I mean, literally crawling to the top and then started getting on the fire road. And the picture that you saw, the one you asked me if I took a dirt nap, is in a moment of complete despair because I'm like, okay, I only have 35 miles to go, but if I can even walk, that's right. going to be at that much. And so I just lay there on the ground for like, 30 seconds literally and I was like what am I going to do now because like I can't literally put my feet down and so that was that was I would say my lowest point how did you overcome that then what happened well just like just like every other crisis you just got I think it was Winston Churchill someone that says if you're going through hell just keep going yeah <laughs> so yeah just keep just get up and keep going so I just got were you up. able to were you able to put any pressure on your foot very little. I would basically walk in like limping and using, uh, thankfully I had the bowls, so those helped out immensely. And eventually, you know, if you warm it up, like just keep moving, keep moving, then eventually got a little better. So I was kind of strolling the downhill and kind of moving, moving, moving. But from that point, I mean, at that point, at 220 miles in, I had 20 miles plus lead on, on Garmin, so that right. second place. So that tells you how well I ran up to that point. By the time I finished, I literally, I was going like about a mile, mile and a half, an hour. 
So that tells you <laughs> how the page brought. So of course, you know, I, I, the record slipped away and Goggins was catching up. And then eventually, you know, I reached the last, I come out of the trail, I reached the, the path, uh, the asphalt bike path that takes you into Moab, the last three, four miles along the Colorado River. And there, you know, I was pushed by so many people that came to see, that came to cheer along the way, uh, like, rivers of people all on the, the way and oh, wow. it was so uplifting that i started running and i started running in a very bad way you know just trying to keep the pressure off the right foot not to you know not to strain the achilles even more and um i was running slow but i was moving i pushed through the pain and eventually you know we reached the finish line but you know it was one again one of those defining moments moments that we spoke about earlier you know it's like you have to dig in and figure out for yourself if it's worth it, if it's worth the pain, if it's worth the risk of injuring yourself, uh, if it's worth, you know, risking your health, your overall health. And so, you know, those, I call it defining moments because it's easy to give up. It's easy to just say, um, I'm, you know, this is too, too much, this is too, too dangerous. I'm just gonna pull the plug and I'm just gonna go soak my feet and just rest. But, you know, I. I thought that we came so far along the journey that it was almost like, you know, pulling a, a, a bandaid. Just it was a it was a thirty mile bandaid, but <laughs> uh, you know, I'm I'm very grateful that I, I I had the courage and the desire to push forward despite despite all odds and still finish with about six mile lead, five six mile lead over an hour and a half, over an hour almost two hours. Um, but he gained, you know, he was catching up. If the race was probably another 10 miles, he would have caught up with me. Yeah, but it wasn't, man. <laughs> it wasn't, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what's the lesson, man? Don't, don't be hammering home uh, seven minute sub seven. Yeah, exactly. After 200 miles. <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, be a little more um, respectful with the body. Um, definitely listen to yourself better. But I don't think it was that, that the debilitating factor. I think the, the uphill, I pushed a little too hard. Yeah. I was so, you know, I was scared by that endorphin adrenaline and plus i had that record in mind i was like i can't push through you know i can break through walls right now i'm gonna run through the wall and i'm gonna break it (laughs) you know when you feel invincible but you know that's a reality check because we're not (laughs) um and it's it's interesting to hear you talk about that because you know everything you always talk about seems to be just about the process yeah about staying in the moment and then that moment it kind of became a little result oriented would make which makes sense um, well, I when get you it. get closer, eventually, oh, yeah. you know, the switch, you, you've seen, like, you're smelling the hay in the barn, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, now I'm, I'm literally steps from making it. So, yep. yeah. So true. that feeling that you had crossing that finish line, can you share with us what that feeling was? Well, you know, it's like the, it's the, it's powerful. It's powerful because you go through so much, you know? You experience so much that oh, I'm sorry. Could you put us on hold for just a second? I'm sorry, just one second. You know the the emotions at the finish line are hard to describe because you know you go through so much, and especially in a race like this, two and a half days out there, especially with no sleep, it's it's so powerful that just experiencing it in a brief moment 
it doesn't give it justice. And I don't know how to say and I'm not sure if I'm wording it right. What I'm trying to say is it's hard to process. So of course there's the joy, there is the, you know, the, the, the feeling of accomplishment. That's a burning fire that, you know, that's what I think a lot of people could keep going back. But I think you truly come to understand what you've done only days, if not weeks after. Like I'm just starting to comprehend everything that happened. Because in that moment, you're just so elevated by endorphin, adrenaline, excitement. Uh, plus, you know, you, you've been out there by yourself for two days and a half or more. And you finally come to a place where there's tens, if not hundreds of people lined up, everybody cheering, there's lights, there's sounds, there's cheer, you know, that's, it's, it takes you out completely from everything. It's almost like you've been in a bubble and then you get thrown in a crowd. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it really takes you out of, of your, of your zone. Um, the, the best, the best part always, in my opinion, is, is, is is the realization of what you've done just the the first step past the finish line it's like it i i, I hardly ever you know have enough strength to jump around and cheer because <laughs> you push yourself so much but it's really powerful it's really powerful the way uh, the mind processes these things in that moment like i was I was exhausted, but I was, I was all over the place. Uh, it's, it's like a waves of, of energy going and, and tiredness and exhaustion kicking in and out. So it's, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, I don't know. It's a, <laughs> a very shaky ride. I gotta say. Um, of, and then of course, you know, finishing the journey with a hug, you know, with hugging your team and the uh, people present. I mean, it's, it was, I, it, it, those are the moments you never forget. Those are the memorable moments. And those are the moments I think that keep us going back. Yeah. No matter the pain, no matter the discomfort, no matter everything that you went through, those are the moments that stay with you. And that's why, you know, I, I, I often joke with the, you know, with other ultra running friends. Uh, it's like, you know, when you're going through it, you just, sometimes you hate it. And sometimes you question yourself, why am I doing this? Who, who made you do it? And then the moment you finish, you can already you cannot wait to sign up for the next one. <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, one of the things I've researched is um, you know Super Bowl champions. They're holding up the Super Bowl trophy at that moment, and there have been so many that have said, "Is that it?" And I've always been curious by that. And one of the things that I've found is that the process is more important than the product. And do you do you agree yes. with that? I gotta say, hundred percent, and that—that that in a way is—is is a curse, and a—it's a cursing and a blessing at the same time, for the fact that not doesn't matter how big the accomplishment, you never truly savor it, because you're so focused on the process of getting there, that once you achieve it, you're like, ha, huh, now, now what? <laughs> <laughs> Does it make sense? Yeah. It's it's almost like, you know, you work so much for something and then the moment you got you have it, it's like, you know, now one more. What's next? And that's why I think we always look for the next challenge. That's why we look for so I, I think that's part of our human spirit. That's part of an adventure spirit. That's that's 
that in a way embodies our evolutionary process of discovery and constant striving to be better, to make better lives for ourselves and for those around us. So I think, again, it's a blessing and a curse because you are blessed to be in that position to keep chasing, to keep pursuing, to keep achieving, to keep going, to keep striving for more. Yet it's a curse because you're never truly satisfied. So this is like a gray area where I try to, uh, you know, venture in my off seasons uh, or at least in the down times kind of to reset a higher purpose that is not goal related, rather just enjoying the process for what it is. I'm not training hard because I want to win the race. I'm training hard to be the best that I can. And if the best that I can is the best, then eventually, you know, the result will come. But it's not the driving force, not the ending. There's not the goal. Yeah. The goal is just bettering yourself. And that gives you purpose too. So that kind of links back to what we we're talking about at the beginning. Yeah. I, uh, I totally agree, man. And I, and I love that perspective because even, you know, some of the NFL head coaches, when they win, even that great one, they say, you know, it lasts for a day, then it's right back to the process because I think that's yep. all they know. All yep. they know is to get back to work and get back to the, the creativity. And that's where I think their passion lies as well. Yep. Um, yeah. That's, that's what I think yeah. the hardest part is, you know, especially that's what I find uh, inspiring to see in, in people like that that can be successful year after year, season after season. Is because you, it you know, as we were saying earlier, the 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 inspiration, motivation that you that you driven that driven you to achieve certain things five years ago, they're not gonna work right now, or not even last year. The thing that driven that you know that drove you like six months or a year uh, back, it's not gonna work for the season ahead. So that's what I find very fascinating is to see people that can keep grinding keep finding that push that driving force season after season and be successful successful over a prolonged period of time because that in my opinion is the hardest part yeah training training stuff anybody can do it for a short period of time or you know in terms of seasons uh anybody can achieve that but true mastery is being able to get in the process and just you know thrive in that space yeah. and not questioning too much because if you question too much then you get in a weird whirlpool of thoughts that can be most most often detrimental or negative what have you seen from people in 2020 that that struggled man they, you know ultra runners or, or you know community where, where do you think people have struggled with that well what i see challenging in these times is the fact that there is so much uncertainty you know, we live, we live our lives as if everything is under control. We live our lives as is, you know, we have control of our directions as, as a single or as a society. Um, I think this was a very, I don't want to say necessary, but I want to say in a way was a great wake up call uh, in, our, in, our, in our existence as a whole. I'm not talking about singles. I'm not talking as as country. I'm talking about as a planet, as a, as human beings. He kind of stripped us down to to our core because that's what fear does. 
<laughs> nothing, nothing matters when it comes down to survival. Our survival instincts, you know, they put everything else on hold. And, and I, think, I think this situation kind of opened up the eyes to what is necessary and, and kind of re, reassess our mindsets. Uh, just like in ultra, in, in, just like in a, in a race, in ultra running, you know, you cannot control what's going to happen 10 miles from now, 20 miles from now, 30 miles from now. So I think at least, at least for myself, it allowed me to, to explore more uh, uh, the, the practice of mindfulness, the practice of presence, just, you know, enjoying what I have right now, who I am right now, what I, you know, the people that are around me and, and not stress too much about what I cannot control in front of me. Yeah. Because oftentimes, you know, we make plans and we do things. And I live my life like that, you know, for years, especially, you know, as a, as a runner traveling, you know, you, you usually work seasons ahead. You know, like as of right now, usually I have my whole 2021, if not 2022 already, you know, thought out. As of right now, I can't because I don't know if I can travel. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do that. So it's very much like a reality check of staying present and staying and, and be faithful Yeah, that things are going to get back better again. Mickey, talk about like the message. Like what's the message that, that you want to share on, on your journey? Well, you know, there are, there are quite a few messages that I kind of strive to, to bring out, especially, you know, I, I, I'm working right now. I, I published a book uh, a couple of years back in Italy that is now being uh, adapted to English, hopefully coming out in the spring. And there are a few messages in there. Um, one, of course, is the one that we've been talking about right now, uh, about, you know, in a way, self-discovery, self-mastery, if you want to word it that way, uh, to kind of, you know, get out of our comfort zone and, and pursue our inner call, inner calling, or, you know, our, listen to our inner voice. But uh, I think one even greater message that I, that, I, that, I, that I wanted to put out is, is the one of detaching a little bit from what our social constructs are and kind of get ourselves the opportunity to, to get lost in nature. Because it's only when you get lost out there, you truly understand that we're not detached from it. We are, we are truly connected on a deeper level. Um, and even, even that, I don't think it's right. I think we're not just connected. We are fully part of it. Why is this important? It's because I think that once you understand, when you, once you reach that higher level of consciousness and awareness about who we are as a whole, you become more conscious about your decisions and your actions in terms of I'm not making, I'm, I'm doing something for, to better, not just my status, but the status of everyone around me and even better the status of, of this whole, this one thing that we're all part of. I always, I always like the, the saying, we are all one, though we act as we are not. <laughs> and so this is probably the most fundamental and necessary message in this very uh, historical moment that we are experiencing right now. Understanding that we're not disconnected, that we're all part of the same ecosystem, that we're all part of the same system, that we're all part of the same society, that we're all part of the same whole. And whatever you do bad to the other, it comes back to you. So um, it's, it, 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 you know, it, it's a concept that rises above 
you know, as I said before, social construct and it, it, it aims to raise the awareness of the whole planet to achieve a higher level of consciousness that will allow us to, to live better. Yeah. Not just with, within ourselves, but within nature and its laws. And so, yeah, that's that. I would say that's the one. It's fantastic, man. <laughs> Mickey, one one last question here is: yeah. what, que- what question should I be asking that I'm not asking? Hmm. Well, that's <laughs> that's a that's a that's the most challenging question. <laughs> you know, I I we 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 can speak about wise. We can speak about we can speak about this for the longest time, but maybe maybe one question that never gets asked is uh, what is like how let me um, I cannot construct I have the thought I don't have the question uh, it has to do with fear like I don't want to say what is fear but uh, it's about not not letting fear. Maybe we can do this backward. Maybe I tell you the answer. Maybe we can get to the question. A little Jeopardy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. Well, the you know I I think that oftentimes we are wrapped up in in fear, and this is when our our faith slips and we just freeze and do not take action. And this happens every day. This happens in everyday life, especially with people that want more for themselves. They. And I think we're all in the same boat when it comes to that. We all think we can do more for ourselves and in, you know, in our paths of life. Um, though fear is always in the back of the mind because we don't wanna, we don't wanna be failures. We don't wanna, we don't wanna face the setbacks. And so fear is always in the back of the mind, the nagging thought that freezes us, freezes us in our steps and does not allow us to move forward. Um, this is, the, this is the, the pivotal point is, I don't believe in fear. Because fear is just a mental construct that we create. It's, it's a projection of, our, of ourselves and our doubts that we put in the future. So once again, it brings me back to mindfulness and presence. If you're fully involved and fully present it's of course good to set a goal in the future because at least you have a direction but then we need to always take it back to the present moment and walk the walk and by that i mean just do what you need to do with no restraints with no preconceived thought of what something has to be done nothing has to be done in a certain way there's no co- there there is a cosmic truth and we don't know yet what it is. So whichever way to achieve it, whatever works for you, works for you. And we are on a journey of self-discovery. That's the beauty of it. Or at least that's, that's how I see it. That's my mindset going into, into any endeavor. So that opens up to immense possibilities because you're not caged by your doubts. You're not caged by your fears. You're not caged by preconceived limitations. And you just break through all of them finding out for yourself what's possible. So again, I don't have the question, but don't let fear interfere. Oh boy, that's good, man. (laughs) Thank you. Don't let fear interfere.
Yeah, maybe we create a hashtag. <laughs> yeah, right, man. Might be the title of this podcast. That's right. What's uh, what's the name of your book, and, and where can people follow you, man? Yeah, well, the book is called Ultra. Very okay. simple and straightforward. Ultra means beyond, and you know, it's a concept that transcends the physical, transcends the the discipline. It's not just about ultra running. It's a whole concept of ultra going beyond that I express, that I experienced in the book that I shared. And uh, there are some interesting stories, definitely getting more into details of the, you know, the story that we spoke about in the beginning. Uh, and uh, it's, it has had a pretty good share of success in Italy, uh, which I found extremely rewarding, you know, still getting messages to the day of people, you know, when, when you can touch people's lives and hopefully make them better, it's it's truly a blessing. And so right now I'm, you know, these days I'm working hands-on with a publisher, you know, you know the process yeah. of all the little things that come that come with it. And uh, hopefully by the spring we'll be able to launch. So I'll definitely keep you posted and uh, we'll get it out there. That's awesome, man. Um, and, and where would you like people to uh, learn more about you? Well, I... Um, I have a pretty, I'm pretty consistent on Instagram. Uh, my handle is Mickey, M-I-C-K-E-Y, Graglia, my last name, Graglia. Um, I'll post not, the link. Know, I, yeah, great, thank you. Um, I do have a presence on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and all of that, but although I'm not very present on those, um, I like Instagram, there's less noise, and allows me to share my thoughts without getting sucked in all the, you know, the noise. Yeah, right. All right. Hey, man, thanks so much for joining us, man. I, I, I know the listeners are going to get a lot out of this, man, and wish you the best, man, all, all moving forward. Well, it's been, uh, it's been truly a pleasure to, to be able to share some, some stories with you and I uh, hope this, you know, just like Dean inspired me uh, many years ago, I hope this inspires somebody else to pick up a pair of shoes and get out there. Absolutely, man. We're planting trees that, that we're never going to see. Planting seeds. Yep. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for listening to the Mental Toughness Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can also check us out on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell or visit our website at drrobbell.com.